Welcome to the Sunday Sermons Podcast. It was recorded on a Sunday morning at Morrison Hill Christian Church in Kingston, Tennessee. Our prayer is that the truths and strategies presented in this message will equip you to become a more fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening. Good morning. Thanks again to everybody on the staff and everybody who's helping to lead worship this morning. Uh, Maybe you could send out a little uh, applause of little happy emojis or something to thank them. I really appreciate all their help and thank you everyone who's joining us here. We have a very small group here in person, but a pretty large group out there in the internet. And that's really nice. Thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, We had no idea months ago, nobody did, that the whole world would end up uniting to... uh, try and shut down a virus at this season. But months ago, when we were praying about what kind of wise choices God wanted us to make as a church, this year we felt a strong leading that he, he, have, he got us through a process where we're making wise choices in the face of fear. And so this year's focus on wise choices is called, Whom Shall I Fear Reaching Out? It's, um, it, whom, I'm sorry, I messed that one up. Whom Shall I Fear is the title of this series. Reaching out is what we're talking about today. Reaching out is one of the biggest things that we're afraid of all the time. As Christians, I don't know why, but we're always afraid of reaching out to people. I, I don't know if that's our own fault, if that's the enemy's attacks. I, I don't know why, but it's symptomatic, I think, across denominations. We're afraid to do the very thing Jesus called us and commanded us to do the most. That, that, that we've got to overcome that fear to make, make his will be done on this earth. There are five top fears that people around the world, no matter what culture they come from, no matter what uh, religious or um, political ideas they have, no matter geographically where they are, as human beings, we're all made in God's image. And so we long for the same things and we fear the same things. Uh, it's, it's pretty obvious when we think about this to know why so many people are so afraid in this season. Our top five fears are death and suffering, loss of control, isolation, and humiliation. This particular crisis we in touches on all five in a really major way. And the reason we're so scared of them is because God created us to crave life and health and responsibility and belonging and significance. And these cut away all of those things. When we're afraid, we tend to hide in little shelters. And here's the truth. Fear of reaching out. Fear of getting out of those little shelters we build for ourselves. Fear of stepping into someone else's life. That is what actually traps us in the shelters we've created to protect us. Fear of reaching out traps us in our shelters. From the very first sin, we've tried to hide. From the very first sin, all humanity has known in some sense or another that we are naked. We've got something we want to cover up. We've got something we're afraid to let other people see. And that's one of the reasons why we're always afraid to reach out. But even more, when we sense fear, when we sense danger, when we are afraid to lose control or suffer, possibly even die, be humiliated, be isolated, what we tend to do is shelter ourselves. We build up walls to protect ourselves. There's nothing innately wrong about that. We should protect ourselves. We should protect each other. We should protect those we love and even strangers as much as we can. But we all know that sometimes we all take it a little too far and we hide in these these little shelters that we build for ourselves and they end up becoming traps and prisons that, that keep us in even generations to come trapped. As I look back through history, I know one of the campaigns that America had in a similar season was during the nuclear scare of the 50s. 
they had a thing called Duck and Cover. And this campaign, they would show these idea, these uh, public service announcements to children in schools. And they trained them that if they, if they saw a bright flash of a nuclear bomb, that they should hide under their desks. I'm serious. As ridiculous as that sounds. And it, it actually... There's a little bit of science to it. If there's something between you and that first blast, it blocks some of the radiation. There weren't as severe burns. But everybody knew, I think, deep down that if there was a bomb going off too close, there was nothing you could do. There was absolutely nothing that that would help. And yet we were willing to teach our children that and, and try that and somehow thought that kept us safer. In Genesis, you see several times that Abram and Sarai, and then later on, even after he'd made that covenant with God, their names were changed to Abraham and Sarah. They bought into the same lie. The first time it happened, they went to Egypt, and Abram convinced Sarai to lie and say that she was his sister because he was afraid that, um, <clears throat> excuse me, he was afraid that people there would see how beautiful she was and that they would try to steal her. They would make her, um, and they would kill him. And that fear drove him to lie and to not put his trust in God. And the only reason that worked at all, the only reason they survived that situation was by the grace of God, not because it was a good plan. And you'd think he'd learn that, but then he did it all over again. And not too long after that, after he had gone on, his own son did the exact same thing with his wife. And this is exactly the danger that sometimes happens as we pass on these faulty shelters that we create. And instead of putting our trust in God, we put our trust in these other things. Even when they don't work, we keep trying them. Great shelters require strong foundations. Great shelters require strong foundations. God has always longed that we build our lives around him, around his purposes. He's always wanted us to build our lives around our relationship with him and to live and make the choices that he has inspired us to make. When the inevitable storms of life come, God knows that our shelters will stand if we build them on him. You can see that all the way back in the Old Testament. In Deuteronomy 5.29, in one of the few, seri few moments where Israel was being really faithful to God, and they were, they were promising that they were going to keep his covenant, uh, God said this, Oh, that they would always have hearts like this, that they might fear me and obey all my commands. If they did they and their descendants would prosper forever. One of the verses we've looked at almost every week in this series is Proverbs 9.10. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. In World War II, uh, England had a similar strategy, uh, well, a similar idea to what America had, but theirs was a much better strategy. When they were pretty convinced that Germany was going to bomb London, that they secretly shipped out all of their children in advance by train. C.S. Lewis refers to this as kind of, it's a true moment in history that he kind of worked into the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. It's kind of the setting as how the story starts. But it actually worked. This was a wonderful strategy, sending their kids out of the place of danger and sending them somewhere where they could even, I can't imagine how painful that had to have been, how scary that had to have been for the children, for their parents and grandparents and everybody who stayed behind. And yet that was a pretty good plan. It was a, the best possible plan they could make under the circumstances, and it worked. Sometimes being afraid actually helps you think more clearly. C.S. Lewis actually wrote, pain is God's megaphone to the world. Nobody likes megaphones. 
People who use megaphones don't like to use them. They're obnoxious. People who are being ordered around by somebody shouting through a megaphone don't like it. But sometimes that's the only way you can get a whole big crowd's attention. Sometimes the only thing you can do to try and create order in chaos is to use a megaphone. And I, I think that's a really great metaphor that he has. Pain is sometimes God's metaphone. I'm not blaming all the chaos that's going on right now on God, but I think that in the midst of it, that he is speaking above that. He is speaking through that. He is calling us that are listening for his voice into something bigger and better than we can even imagine. And then in the New Testament, Jesus took all of this to a new level. He actually just straight out said, I want you to build your life on me. The same way that someone builds their house on a firm foundation. He said that those who listen to him and those who follow his teaching are like those who build their house on a rock. I really like the picture that you're going to see in a moment because it shows a house on a rock, but not only just a house on a rock, it's got a lighthouse next to it. And I believe that's always Jesus's vision. The houses that remain standing are the ones people are going to be drawn to. They're going to say, hey, what, how did you get this right? Why did your shelter survive? And he wants us to shine a light into the world. He wants them to see our example and know that there is something more than what they have and be drawn to that which is Jesus himself. But Jesus also said those who don't listen and those who, don't, who do listen but they don't obey, they're like people who build their lives on sand. No matter how well they build their shelters, they're going to fall because their foundations are faulty. In Luke 12, Jesus was speaking to his disciples and he said this, Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees, their hypocrisy. The time is coming when everything that is covered up will be revealed. And all that is secret will be made known to all. It's a scary thought. It's something that, that those of us who want to hide something, and that's pretty much every human being at some point in their lives, that's a scary thought to know that everything we've ever wanted to keep covered up is one day going to be revealed. But then, even in this context, the same way the first time we saw him say this was when he was sending his disciples out on a mission trip. But this time he's saying it in the context of a whole other teaching. This must have been very important to Jesus. Because now, again, in the midst of teaching against hypocrisy, he says this. Dear friends, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot do any more to you after that. But I'll tell you whom to fear. Fear God, who has the power to kill you and then throw you into hell. Yes, he is the one to fear. And this Jesus who gave us the ultimate foundation to build our lives on, this Jesus who modeled all these things he's asking us to do, taught us and commanded us to reach out. It's impossible to follow Jesus and not reach out. This was central to everything he ever told us to do. Jesus compared God's love for us and God's love for non-believers, people who are not following him yet, to a shepherd who risked everything to go out and to Look, I'm sorry, to go out and to search for a lost sheep and then celebrates when he finds it. He compared God's love for people who are outside of the shelter that he's offering them to a woman who is relentlessly searching for a lost coin and never gives up until she finds it. His parting words to his disciples and, and through them to all of us were a command to reach out, the great commission to go into all the world to make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all the things that he's commanded. 
and it was a promise that he'd always be with us as we did that. Once again, reaching out is an integral part of following Jesus. You cannot build your life on his teachings without reaching out. So we must follow the example of Jesus. We must follow his teachings. And one of the best ways that I know how to do that is to keep looking back at the example of the early church. We must follow the example of the early church. It's very clear that they understand, they understood the importance of reaching out. They were devoted to God. They were completely devoted to each other. But at the same time, they were also constantly sharing their food and their money and their time with everyone around them. This was part of the good news. It wasn't a separate thing that they were doing. It wasn't some wonderful thing they were trying to do in addition. This was part of the gospel, reaching out with the truth, reaching out with love, welcoming people into their community, blessing them in other tangible ways. All of these were part of the gospel to them. And the only fears that they ever spoke of or prayed about were the fear of God, which is a totally other kind of fear, but also a fear of ineffectiveness. Paul wrote about this a lot from his epistles. Actually, a lot of the New Testament that we have, we got from him writing or having someone help him write while he was in prison. He was relentless in reaching out even when he was literally in prison, even when he was completely social, socially distant. Paul had to keep writing. He would not stop. He would not stop. But his only fear was not that he would die or that he would be in prison the rest of his life. His fear that all these letters he was sending out, all these prayers he was praying, all the in-person teaching that he was doing would not be effective. That's the only thing he was afraid of. And the church kept praying, not that God would stop the persecution, not that he would have mercy on them in that way, but that, they would, that he would give them boldness and they would be able to continue reaching out with the gospel and in other practical ways. When we focus on accomplishing God's will, he empowers us. When we don't, he disciplines us, but he also teaches us to learn to discipline ourselves. In Hebrews 12, 11, we see this same idea. Most of the time, just for your information today, I'm using the New Living Translation just because I like how clear it is. But right now, I'd like to read from the Passion Translation, Hebrews 12, 11. Now, all discipline seems to be more pain than pleasure at the time. Yet later, it will produce a transformation of character, bringing a harvest of righteousness and peace to those who yield to it. Let me read that one more time. Now, all discipline seems to be more pain than pleasure at the time. Yet later, it will produce a transformation of character, bringing a harvest of righteousness and peace to those who yield to it. Remember, discipline includes punishment. Uh, almost any kind of self-discipline is going to involve some sort of pain along the way. But that's not really the heart of it. The idea of discipline, especially from the scriptural sense of that word, is getting the right stuff done. Doing whatever it takes to become the people that we need to be. To accomplish the things we need to accomplish. To make the changes that we need made in ourselves, in our families, and in, in the world. Again, we continue in Hebrews, Hebrews 13, 1, and three, 1 through 3. No matter what, make room in your heart to love every believer and show hospitality to strangers, for they may be angels from God showing up as your guests. Identify with those who are in prison as though you were suffering with them and with those who are mistreated 
as if you could feel their pain. As with most of God's truth, this is both literal and also metaphorical. I believe he really wants us to visit people who are actually in prison and to identify with their pain. But I believe this also, it also is for every kind of prison, every kind of shelter that people find themselves trapped in instead of protected in. We're supposed to identify with them, not judge them, but to reach into that and give peace and joy and love. Hopefully we can set them free. 1 John 4, 17 through 19 says this. This is from the New International Version, by the way. 1 John 4, 17 and 19. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. And once again, reaching out, it involves all the different ways that we see Jesus and his people reaching out in the scripture, all the things that he's asked us to do. It means speaking the truth in love relentlessly, even when people don't seem to be listening, even when it's hard. We have to do it over the Internet or other ways like that. We have to get creative. We've got to speak the truth in love, but it also means sharing our time, sharing our resources, praying for each other, encouraging each other, helping each other through whatever they're going through in tangible, practical ways. It's been really encouraging to see a lot of people reaching out over the internet, a lot of churches, a lot of individuals uh, sharing hope, sharing joy, sharing encouragement in a lot of ways. I love to see that. My friend Amy Clark Linneman posted something last week that I really appreciated. Uh, she studies Hebrew. She pointed out that there's actually two kinds of fear that God talks about in his word. One of those is called Yira, and that's the fear of God. And it's more of a sense of deep awe and it's 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 a real fear but it's it's prime it's a fear that inspires obedience a fear that inspires um following that person uh exalting them loving them but then there's another one that is called tira and that's the kind that is forbidden throughout scripture where it keeps saying do not fear do not be afraid be bold and courageous do not be afraid fear not no matter where you see any kind of commands like that in Scripture, this is the kind of fear that is the kind of fight or flight kind of fear. And I love the way she phrased it. She said, this is the kind of fear that makes us lash out at people or run away. It's so important in this season right now and in every season that we don't let our fear make us lash out at the people we love or people we disagree with or people that we don't normally have contact with or anyone. It's so important that we set the example of love and grace to everyone. It's so important that we don't lash out at our families when we're all trapped together in our homes and, and isolated from other people so much. It's important that we don't lash out at anyone. And it's important that we don't run away from anyone either. It's so important that we don't flee or try to get away or make new shelters that'll isolate ourselves even more when we're all already trapped. We've got to reach out. We've got to do whatever it takes to bless the people that we're physically near as much as we possibly can and to reach out beyond those borders in healthy ways, in legal ways, in practical ways, but keep reaching out with God's love, with his truth 
and helping in any practical way that we can. Once more, 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a, a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. One more time. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Success requires daily choices starting right now. Not starting tomorrow, starting right now. My challenge to you today is to ask God and ask yourself how you're going to reach out. How does he want you to reach out? Who has he made it possible for you to reach out to? What kind of opportunities or technology do you have so that you can reach out? Who is he putting on your heart that you need to reach out to? How will you reach out today? You need to do it today. And then you need to do it again tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that. And when this whole season is over, we need to keep doing it because this is part of what it means to follow Jesus. And we must be so much more afraid of not reaching out than we ever are of reaching out. God bless all of you. We love you. Let's sing to God one more time. That concludes the Sunday Sermons podcast. You can respond to the invitation you just heard where you are right now. Don't waste this opportunity to change your life for the better. If you've made a decision or are interested in learning more, please visit us at morrisonhill.com.